Welcome to the Always Evolving Podcast. This is a podcast about living an awake, aware, conscious life. It's about recognizing that our lives are a product of the choices that we make, and the ripple effects of those choices impact our families, our communities, and the world. So let's choose wisely. Basically, if it helps to evolve us as individuals, then we will likely cover it at some point on this podcast. Because, after all, we are always evolving, and in all ways. I'm your host, Erica Boucher. So, I am here with Terry Meir, and I'm very excited. I can't believe I'm actually doing my first podcast interview, and I'm doing it with the Terry Meir. <laughs> Why, thank you, Erica. It's, a, it's an honor to be here, and I'm, I'm very grateful that you invited me. Terry is a dear friend and teacher to me, and I took my permaculture training with you, I guess it's been about three years ago now, and that's where some serious seeds were planted uh, around how to live sustainably in this world, and it definitely impacted me and my family because I tell you, I can't... It pains me, it like literally pains me to throw food away and not compost it if I'm somewhere where they don't compost. It just feels so wrong to just throw it into the garbage. And there are so many things I picked up from my training with you that it's just worked its way into my day-to-day life. So, so anyway, I want to talk about, let me, let me start by introducing you. Terry Meir is dedicated to creating and nurturing abundant communities. He grew up on a sailboat in the Florida Keys and learned the importance of our valuable and limited natural resources. He's the founder of the Green Education Center, a school based in ecology and sustainable practices. He is the permaculture director at Sustainable Kashi in Sebastian, Florida, which is an intentional community including food forests, seven intensive gardens, and an off-grid eco-village, all on 80 acres of beautiful riverfront sanctuary. Terry has worked on several community building projects including organic gardens for children with autism, free community permaculture courses for low-income families, and the Econ Farm, a project to demonstrate low-impact living that was featured in Oprah Magazine in 2008. Terry has taught classes on permaculture and closed-loop ecosystems across the United States, New Zealand, Costa Rica, Panama, and in the Bahamas. Welcome, Terry, and thank you so much for being my first guest on this show. Thank you, Erica. It's very nice to be here. So I want to start by asking you to please explain to anybody who is not already familiar with the term permaculture. Can you break it down for us? And also, so what is permaculture, but also what is a closed-loop ecosystem? Hmm. Wonderful. Yeah, so uh, permaculture is a design science uh, that imitates nature in order to help create abundance. Uh, We examine our food, energy, and water needs and design our projects so the elements of the project could produce the needs of another productive system on the project. 
And uh, I can give you an example of that. Um, it really came to light for me while I was using a composting toilet one day. And uh, if you've never used a composting toilet, um, typically in society we have these clean water toilet systems that take our waste and flush them away into a waste treatment plant and then put a bunch of chemicals on them and uh, treat them as waste. So I was sitting on the composting toilet and uh, feeling all righteous because I knew that my waste was going into fertility of soil and I was, in, I was creating this closed looped system and I was very excited. But it, the comparison came when I started thinking about how we treat our people and all of a sudden if we have somebody who maybe doesn't fit into society or maybe we don't like, we, we send them away and maybe dump a bunch of chemicals on them in either a prison or some kind of psychiatric uh, community and uh, treat them as waste. And I really started seeing the similarities of how we treat our people versus how we treat our waste. And, I really, and that's where I started really diving into uh, the inner landscape work that I've been working with so much as of late. Hmm. So that's fascinating to really look at the look at it from beyond just what we're doing sustainably with regards to the environment. And that was one of the things that I really appreciated about the training was because it really just got me thinking in terms of my interaction with the world, not just am I composting, am I, you know, um, Am I being responsible with the way that I'm using water? But really look at, looking at it in a much broader context, which, which is fascinating. I'm always asking myself the question. One of, it's almost become a mantra to ask myself, is this sustainable? And that could just be from what my daily habits have become. So I think that you planted those seeds for me as well. So mm -hmm. thank you for that. Thank you. So without getting depressing, um, I'm, I'm a fan of being honest with ourselves about things because I think once we know where we start from, we can mobilize ourselves to take action in a meaningful way. And as long as we stay in denial, nothing of value happens. So can you mention some of the statistics and facts that you shared with me in the training around the challenges that we are facing with regard to our resources, like water. I, I feel like one of the statistics that sticks with me is that the average American household uses 60 gallons of water a day. Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, that's a very low number, but yes, far, far more than that, the average person. Wow, okay, not even household, just person. Yes, yes. Well, that's yeah, it's, um, I usually, uh, it's not my favorite topic to discuss uh, because it is very grim at the point, at this point in uh, history. But um, I like to focus on the sun. The most important thing we really need to remember is that we're all solar powered here on Earth. And in a natural forest system, everything has one day of the sun falling on it to produce one day of sustainable life. And uh, there's no waste in the system. All nutrients are cycled. All fertility is turned into new growth. And there's a homeostasis for the existence. It's a balance. And uh, as we, as the amazingly intelligent creatures that we are, uh, well, we've found ways to use more than just one day's worth of solar energy. So we'll dig up fossil fuels. We'll cap natural gas lines. Uh, 
many other destructive methods of energy production. And currently, we're using seven years worth of solar energy every day uh, to maintain human activity on this planet. So yeah. this is not only unsustainable, but unresponsible as the apex species on the planet. And permaculture acts as a, as a wonderful uh, direction away from that destruction. And that's why I wanted to interview you, because this podcast is about, again, it's about living an awake, aware, conscious life. It's about recognizing that the choices that we make have a far-reaching ripple effect. And so at this point, is it pointless? Do you think it's too late to make a difference? And what can the average person do on a day-to-day -day basis to do their part? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a great question. Um, uh, just yesterday, I saw a four-year-old child uh, pulling up a fresh carrot from my garden. Mm -hmm. And on the same day, I saw a 20-year-old inspired about learning how to use biochar in their compost. And every day, I get to see more and more people dedicated to the idea of living in balance with our ecosystem. So more and more, they are finding a bridge between a healthy ecosystem and living an abundant human life. So yes, I, I believe there is hope. And I believe that the hope is easiest to see in the individuals that are choosing to live simpler, simpler lives. So I'm kind of in a bubble, and it's really easy to see that. Um, but we could all drive less. We could all turn off our appliances. Uh, we could all gain consciousness of where our energy comes from and have compassion for those that do not have the luxuries that we take for granted. Uh, it's easier for me because I grew up on a boat in South Florida and there wasn't an endless supply of energy and water. Um, the hot water was a big barrel on the roof painted black. It was a very simple life. And uh, this created a framework that I carried with me into my entire life. Uh, all resources are precious. And I think many humans could benefit from that framework. It uh, remind me, reminds me of a quote by Terence McKenna who said, nature is not mute. It's just people are deaf. And I, uh, I believe we can teach ourselves to start hearing again. Yeah, yeah. It's so, it's so true in my life that the, the more simple I keep things, the simpler I keep my life, the happier I am. And mm -hmm. the closer I stay to the earth, the more connected I am to nature and to Mother Earth, the more grounded I am, the happier I am, the more peaceful and healthy I am. So just getting out into your yard and having a small <laughs> garden, not only are we growing our own food, which is empowering, and not contributing to the mass consumerism, but it's good for us. It's healing just putting our hands on that soil is so rooting and so grounding and so nourishing so for a whole variety of reasons this is this is a good idea for people to figure out how can i work this into my life and it doesn't have to be go off grid and live a completely self-sustaining life but it can be making little choices every day and being conscious of the fact that each and every one of those choices has a ripple effect and trying to have as little an impact as possible. Mm, and, absolutely. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it 
feeds us because we are that. We are natural. We, we are of this earth. So if we're damaging the environment, we're damaging the earth, we are hurting ourselves. There's no way that we are separate and apart from that. And that's one of the messages I'm hoping to really help to get across with this podcast. And one of the reasons I'm doing it is because I think for a lot of people, they, a lot of people have good intentions, but they just don't know. And mm-hmm, I think education exactly. is the key. And the more we can get this information out there, the better. I'm amazed at how many people I see still putting fertilizer in their grass and <laughs> running their sprinklers, even when it's raining. So it's just a lack of awareness and a lack of consciousness. And the antidote to that, to waking up, is becoming knowledgeable, becoming educated on the topic. So thank you Absolutely. for doing what you're doing. Yeah, and thank you for paying such great attention in class. <laughs> you're one of the best students. You inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the principles that really still, still to this day stands out for me is slow and steady wins the race. Because I can tend to get overwhelmed, anxious, feeling like there's so much to do and not enough time. And this is another one that's kind of like a mantra that reminds me to slow down and allow things to unfold and be patient with the process. I literally just had this conversation with somebody like two days ago. So can you talk about the principles of permaculture a little bit? Because they, mm-hmm. they do matter beyond just sustainable practices with regards to gardening or creating a food forest, but they have much far farther reaching effects than that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I see the, the principles. Um, I, I see them, I see our lives as a large wheel with many spokes attached in the center. And each one of us are individually connected to our central selves, or what I like to call our inner landscape, um, in the middle. And that inner landscape determines what our an- outer landscapes will look like. So if you can uh, imagine the lens on a camera in which the light from within you shines out and creates the material world around you. So the principles and the ethics of permaculture help polish that lens and uh, they give us guidelines and a model that can both create abundance and help us remember our connection with nature. So the principles are a simple guide to help people get on the right track. So permaculture is not a way of doing things, but instead it's more of a way of thinking about things. Uh, The first principle, um, observe and interact, is a principle where we simply sit with nature and just be within it. We observe it. Find out how energy moves through it. Feel it on all those many different levels. Um, If we work with what's there, everything will be easier and more efficient will have less destruction to create and more things to manifest. Uh, The second principle, catch and store energy. Uh, This principle seems really simple, but it's actually a really deep one. Um, Of course, if you're thinking about like the sun's rays growing food, it's easy to collect the sun uh, sun through through the plants. Or if you're thinking about water, it's easy to collect the water to drink. But if you go deeper with the principles, the more you realize they're tied to absolutely everything. Uh, For instance, a swale is a ditch that is level or on contour. 
so it can catch water as it floats over your water, sink it over your land, sink it down so the plants can, can utilize it. So this is an easy model to understand the catch and store energy principle. Um, you understand how it connects to the other areas of our lives, gets a little deeper, like, uh, such as meditation. So in meditation, we slow our own bodies down and we sink that into our very beings. This allows us to handle stress better, allows us to give us a more positive outlook on life, but it's the very same principle as putting water into a fruit tree. So it's, it's, it can be very simple and yet very complex at the same time. It's kind of like when I first started playing piano, I spent a lot of time playing scales, and the scales are a metaphor for the principles. They helped to guide me until I was ready to start playing my own song. Mm. That's beautiful. I love mm, thank you. the work you're doing with the inner landscape and helping people because people do tend to focus externally and it's easy. It's kind of an easy thing to do like, okay, there's a problem. I'm going to focus on the environment. I'm going to focus outside of myself, but ultimately we have to bring it home to, mm-hmm. to ourselves, to our own center. Otherwise it's their empty gestures and, yeah, they may be effective to a degree, but they're definitely going to be much more effective if there's real intention behind it because intention is energy. It has an impact. So, okay, so I think we're doing a pretty good job of making the point that we're not just talking about sustainable practices with regards to the environment. However, people want some real tips on what can I do? What can I do today to start making a difference, even a small difference? And for people who live in an apartment or maybe they're on one of those zero lot line communities, what's a way for them to get started? What would you say to them? I'm very lucky. Um, I love my project in Sebastian, Florida. Um, It's on 80 acres and I get to kind of be in my own permaculture playground, if you will. Um, But another reason I love it is because it's an education and a demonstration site for everyone. So anyone can take the skills you learn here and directly apply them to any size setting, whether you're in a city or deep in the forest. um, You're going to learn conservation and connection. uh, And that's the most important things you could possibly learn. That's the foundation of a healthy ecosystem. Oh, so when you're immersed in an eco-village that your connection with the earth actually creates your day, um, it, cre- it creates a mindset that follows your decisions. Mm-hmm. I remember I was being interviewed once and uh, the question was, how do you find time to do all this? And I didn't understand the question because there was nothing else. There was nothing else that I had to make time for because that had become my way of life, had become life itself. And it was very full and very rich. So one of my favorite systems right now that really excite me that anyone can do is uh, hydroponic gardens built inside skyscrapers and uh, in urban settings. So these systems don't have your typical pest problems. They can be grown completely organically in the areas that they're needed to be grown, so in the areas that they're used, so that greatly reduces the need for transportation and the need for additional fossil fuels, and uh, everything is in place. So I think the next best 
thing than being a farmer is to just know a farmer that lives really close to you. <laughs> and, and support local farmers because absolutely. then we can continue to have access to, maybe we can't do this, maybe we don't have the land for it, but we can support people who do so that we're not forced to go to the grocery store and buy a bushel of bananas that have been shipped over from another country and wrapped in plastic <laughs> and support that uh, whole process, that whole way of doing things. So, yeah, good point, very good point. Yes, in our, in our eco-village, we create our own bread, so we'll actually bake our bread for the day. And it takes about 10 minutes a day. And everyone asks when they first get there, they're like, how do we find the time to do this? And by the end of their stay, which is a three-week program, they can see the comparison as if they were if they were to have to get into their car, drive to the store, uh, go pick the bread of loaf of bread up from the shelf, then walk back to the cashier, pay for the bread, put it in a piece of plastic that's already wrapped in plastic, that get back in their car, drive back here. Mm. They've already spent 40 minutes, which is three, four times more of the time, and it's in a far less sustainable uh, practice. Not to mention the bread isn't nearly as good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally relate to that. One of my hobbies and passions is I love to create my own products. I make my own lip balm and body wash and laundry detergent. And I'm always looking for ways to make my own products. And what's interesting is usually uh, there's about a half a dozen or more, maybe eight, maybe ten at the top end of the, of the, the spectrum of ingredients that I use for all of that. And when I take an afternoon and I make a batch of lip balm, and I make some products for myself, I feel amazing afterwards. Because again, I didn't get in the car, I didn't sit in traffic, I wasn't listening to the news, or tempted to pick up my phone and check out social media. I didn't just go spend a whole bunch of money on something that's probably filled with ingredients that I don't want in or on my body anyway. And so those two or three hours that I spend making those products for myself, it's so incredibly nurturing. And at this point, I can't imagine doing it any other way. So I can relate to what you're talking about. And I think yeah, it's a... I think, I think what we're really talking about is connection. And uh, that connection is the part that people are getting disconnected and further and further away from the very... Uh, products they use, and actually each other, the social connection. So it seems that we're disconnected from each other, we're disconnected from our products, and we're disconnected from the very earth that we're living on. So it almost feels as if we are somehow separate from nature. Mm. And I think that's creating a lot of the uh, disorders and the depressions and um, the, the stress levels that we're seeing in today's society when uh, to just take a walk in the woods and make your own lip balms are simple solutions to getting reconnected. Right. It's, it's so true. It's, we are more connected than ever before with 
the internet and social media and cell phones that are on our hips at all times. So in one way, we're more connected than ever before, and we're more disconnected than ever before because it's this it's this external world that is not always real. And so anything we can do that brings us back home to ourselves, that whether it's getting into the get, getting into the yard and putting your hands in the dirt, or walking barefoot on the grass, practicing yoga, getting back into our bodies and breathing and moving and feeling life's energy move through us, meditating, connecting with friends, really connecting, not just a little comment on a Facebook feed, but <laughs> really connect with our friends and genuinely care about what's going on in their lives. And I think that's what... I think that's what people are craving, whether they realize it or not. Some do, and they're finding communities to to build relationships in, and that will support that. And I think I think that's actually where we're headed as a society. I think what you're doing, like with your current situation at the Kashi Ashram, I think community living is kind of where we as a society are heading for a lot of reasons. So, can you tell me? a little bit more about what that has been like for you there and, and what it is that you're doing out there at the ashram? Of course. Um, so I am the director of Sustainable Kashi, and uh, we're a program that operates within a 41-year-old intentional community uh, in Florida. So this um, community was started uh, by a guru, Mahajaya Sati Bhagavati, 41 years ago as a place to come regardless of your religion, regardless of your beliefs, and as a place to share love and kindness together. And uh, just a beautiful ground right on the St. Sebastian River. Um, So as Sustainable Kashi uh, grew five years ago, we wanted a way to help people reconnect to the ecosystem. So we believe that when we reconnect and heal the land, we actually reconnect and heal each other at the same time. Mm -hmm. So once we start to reconnect to each other and once we can replace the current model of fear and scarcity with a model of love and abundance, we believe a true positive change can occur within the environment. And uh, that's where we have our seven demonstration gardens and teaching gardens using different styles of growing. So no matter what school of agriculture you came from, there's, there's a garden for you um, and an off-grid eco-village for people to stay and practice living in a simple regenerative lifestyle connected to nature systems and many permaculture uh, installations to uh, get your hands on and actually touch and feel appropriate technology. So I like to call it my permaculture playground because it really is a place for people who are looking for that connection back into nature. So if you look at the way soil and plants work, everyone thinks that the plants take the energy from the sun and grow. Well, that's not exactly true. It's a little bit more complex than that. It actually, the plant creates exudates out of their roots, and it actually feeds microorganisms in the soil. And the microorganisms in the soil actually create the nutrients that the plants need and uptake in order to grow. So 
the, the idea to get there is that we can't do it on our own. We need each other. And a big concept in uh, permaculture is that we're trying to become independent and sustainable and go live off in the woods and do everything by ourselves. And really, I'm looking for an interdependent model where all of us feed on all of our gifts to each other and we all lift each other up to our highest selves. And I think it's uh, very important for us, for the community, to be the foundation on, on the whole concept. I like that. I like that. There's a beautiful like symbiotic relationship that's going on. And, and you're right. I think some people think about sustainable living and they think about going off grid and, and, and disappearing into the woods. And <laughs> I like that you're growing up that idea a little bit for people. Like, yes, we're talking about being sustainable and being, con being conscious of the impact that we're having, but let's do this together. We're much stronger when we work together. And so thank you for, for growing up that idea of sustainability for people. Yeah, thank you. So where can people find out about what's going on out there at the Kashi Ashram? <laughs> well, we're, um, we're at sustainablekashi.com. Uh, and of course, we're on Facebook at Sustainable Kashi. And Instagram, we like to post all of our weekly meetings, we have a free permaculture class every week. So it doesn't matter how much money you have, where you come from, you can come and learn how to grow your own food, create your own energy, catch your own water, and live in abundance of this planet is trying to provide us all. So those classes have been quite nice and growing. Uh, we share a lunch completely grown off the property together. So we network and people get to feel that community and what it's like to actually work together on a project. And I think that's the, one of the greatest gifts we can give. Mm -hmm. I uh, once heard a saying that changed my life. It was, character is defined by what you do when no one is looking. Mm. And when I was younger, I ate a lot of fast food because it was cheap and it was easy. And uh, I would throw little pieces of paper on the ground because I was lazy. <laughs> and I didn't want to practice a sustainable, I didn't practice the life I'm living today. And we're all learning on this planet on different, different times, different speeds. But I believe we all want the planet to be healthy. I believe we want that. And permaculture provides us with tools and guidelines to help accomplish this goal together. And one of the biggest misunderstandings about, about permaculture is that it's all about growing food. And true, uh, permaculturists grow some pretty good food. It's very healthy. But permaculture has the ability to help us find solutions to the problems that we're all facing today. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not no longer time to sit silently on the sidelines and think someone else should do it. Uh, the stakes are just way too high right now. And our goal is a livable planet for our children and our children's children. And every one of us has to make a difference, and we need every one of us to make a difference. What a great message that you're getting out there. Have you considered streaming those free, um, those free weekly classes that you're doing, maybe putting them out there live so people can be exposed to that information even if they're not able to get out to the Kashi Ashram? Yes, I have played with that. I'm still working on my technical data. So if anyone's listening as a um, 
webinar or uh, computer whiz, please contact us. <laughs> I'm learning a lot around that, so maybe we should have a conversation after this is <laughs> over. I would love that. <laughs> so when are you going to write a book, Terry? <laughs> I'm most, almost all the way through my book. It's uh, going to be coming out next year. Really? So you are writing yeah. one. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's mostly done. Do you already have this, a title? Uh, information, yeah, yes, the name will be Simple as That, A Modern Day Guide to Simple Living. I love it. I cannot wait to get my hands <laughs> on that. Well, I'll send you one of the first copies. That would be great. That would be great. So before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners about permaculture, about anything that we've talked about here today? Anything you want to share? Well, I think now is the time to realize the holistic approaches that permaculture can, can give us. And it's not time to be specialized on any one thing. And we need to walk away from being masters of one trade. We need to really start moving the environmental message forward. We all need to start practicing what we pe preach. Even if it means life is a little less convenient, uh, we really need to start thinking about future generations and we need to start thinking about the quality of life for all people on this planet and for all sentient beings on this planet, the creatures, the ecosystems, the forests, and really start acting responsibly, uh, voting with your dollars and purchasing uh, ethically and environmentally sound products. And start working together. Make time for each other and uh, love one another. Great, great message, Terry. Thank you. So for people who want to know more about Terry and what he's got going on, you can check him out at www.kashi.org slash sustainable. And also at www.greeneducationcenter.com. Terry, thank you so much. I have really enjoyed this. And I'm so excited I just finished my first podcast interview. So this is a milestone for me. <laughs> I realized that I bought my podcasting equipment 10 years ago because when I went to the Philippines, I had it with me. So this mm. has been something I've been wanting to do for 10 years. And well, you're helping me I hope it. this is the beginning of many, many wonderful podcasts for you. Me too. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Terry, I so appreciate you and what you're doing. Thank you so much, and I look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Always Evolving. Please feel free to share this episode with anyone you think might appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this podcast, let me know by giving me a five-star rating and help our ranking so we can reach more people who might be inspired by our message. Until next time, remember, our lives are a product of the choices that we make. Choose wisely.